Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Welcome to All People's Church. My name is Kendall. We're so glad you're here. As Pastor Robert said on the video, he'll be back next week. I'm our executive pastor. So excited to get to share with you this morning. My wife, Shelly, is here in the front row. We have three beautiful kids, a dog named Pepper and a cat named Chicken. Different sermon. I'm going to tell you a story to start off this morning. Are you guys excited about the Christmas holiday season, Thanksgiving? What a wonderful time. We're going to start our It's a Wonderful Christmas series by looking back today a little more towards Thanksgiving, and then Robert will be kicking us off next week with a very Christmas-centered message. But it all, to me, goes back to this story, and it's going to make sense in a second. Growing up, we spent a lot of time at the YMCA. So the YMCA is where I learned how to play t-ball, basketball, baseball, all kinds of different classes. And at our local YMCA, we would always walk in, and there was kind of a registration table, and you'd walk past the table, and there was a big glass room where the workout classes happened. And, you know, as a young boy walking past these classes, all kinds of interesting things went on in there, gymnastics or different things. But I specifically remember just kind of gazing through the glass time after time, looking at these karate classes that would happen. And, you know, we're on our way to basketball, football, or baseball, but I'm looking through the grass, glass, and I'm seeing these people flip each other over. They've got these big sticks, and they're sparring, and it just looked really, really cool. And meanwhile, this was about the time that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first time, came out. And so I was really into that. And so my brothers and I, we were going to be ninjas, okay? We were into it. We, we were, we were going to figure out this ninja thing and we were gonna have some karate moves. And we were a busy family, but eventually we begged my mom enough to where she finally found the time in our family schedule to allow us to sign up for karate. So there we were, first karate lesson. Okay, we learned all the protocol. It was no longer a workout room, it was a dojo, right? The guy teaching us, he was no longer a coach, an instructor. He was a sensei. Are you with me? All right, so we learned all the karate protocol, and you know, we learned how to sit just right and whatever kind of weird chants they did or whatever, and then we went home, and the next week was the really good lesson because this was the week we learned how to punch. And I specifically remember how they taught us to punch in karate. You start like this, and then you do that, all right? It's kind of a one-two motion, and then there was this whole, I don't really know if that's right, but that's what I learned in first grade, and... It was kind of this one-two motion, and so my brothers and I, we went home, and we were determined to get this punch down. So we were, we were going to advance, right? We were white belts. We didn't want to stay there. We wanted to get to yellow, red, et cetera, and so we needed to practice. So a few days later, after the second karate lesson, there we were. We were practicing at home. First punch practice, bam, I sock my brother just right in the nose. He's furious. This becomes an all-out brawl. There is blood. There is screaming. I mean, you know, a bunch of boys fighting and wrestling. Mom comes in. No more karate. You're done. So my brother and I have a great relationship, by the way. It was really supposed to be a funny story. Some of you look sad. It's okay. My karate days are over. But yours might not be. You know, this morning I want to speak to us from the subject, Becoming a Gratitude Ninja. 
<laughs> Becoming a gratitude ninja. Because, you know, maybe there's not some imaginary bad guys or people down in the sewers like the Ninja Turtles are fighting that you need to learn some karate skills for. But I think we can all agree that we are fighting a battle for gratitude in our culture. Are we not? We're fighting a battle for thankfulness. We're fighting a battle for gratitude. And so I want to talk to you from this subject, becoming a gratitude ninja. Why that phrase ninja? Well, a ninja is someone that is an expert at something. Not just a karate expert, but a ninja can be an expert at anything. A ninja is a person who excels in a particular skill or activity. And I believe as the people of God, we are called to excel and being thankful and being grateful. Amen? And so we're going to talk about being gratitude ninjas this morning. We are fighting a battle for gratitude. You know, it's human nature just to want more, right? Human nature, say, we're at the restaurant. You want a large? Supersize me? Sure, right? We just want more. We want bigger. We want better. And we want to be great. And our culture does not help us with this. Uh, There's a lot of addictions. There's a lot of marketing that goes out. We're going to talk about some of that this morning. But here's one stat for you. Did you know the average person checks their phone every seven minutes? Some of you are looking right now. I see you over there. Okay? So, uh, Every seven minutes, we're checking our phone. We're checking out. We're thinking about something else besides what we're doing right now. We're not being grateful for the present moment. And a lot of us are checking out social media, right? So I'm on social media. I, I have friends on there. It's also part of my job. But, but social media, sometimes it, it's part of this war, right, that we fight to be grateful and thankful, part of this battle for gratitude. Here's a study. The University of Houston found the more times someone is on social media, the greater their tendency to be pushed into a major depression. Bummer. I mean, surely you found this, right? You log online, you're just gonna relax for a while, then all of a sudden, that person you met at your cousin's wedding, they got a new car, somebody from high school is getting married, someone else is having kids, Somehow that same person is always on a cruise. You're like, what do you do for a living that you were always on a cruise? And how do you get internet on that boat? Somebody's in the back of a gondola in Venice, Italy. They're being sung to by a gondolier eating meatballs out of a, you know, not that that's my personal fantasy or anything, but... I mean, gosh, you know, we're just asking for it, right? Getting on our phones every seven minutes, we're inviting that battle into our life as if it wasn't hard enough to just be human. Hello? So we are fighting a battle for gratitude. But I want you to know that the battle is worth fighting. The battle is worth fighting because if, if we can get a hold of gratitude, there's so many scientific studies about how gratitude can improve our health or our well-being, but our relationships. But even beyond that, Gratitude is one of the keys to walking in the presence and the peace of God. So if we can get a hold of that, we're unstoppable. And so this battle for gratitude is worth fighting. You might not uh, know this, but the Bible, of course, has a lot about thankfulness. You probably know that, but you might not know it actually has some thank you notes in it. The Bible actually has some thank you notes in it. And one of the authors of some of those thank you notes is a man named the Apostle Paul. And Paul was a leader in the early church, and he would write different letters to different churches that he established. And part of what he would write was not just prayers to God, but actually letters to other people, thanking them for their financial support. 
And so we're going to study one of the thank you notes in the Bible as we study how to be a gratitude ninja. And just some context for you. Paul, the writer, the writer of this passage we're about to read, was kind of the ultimate gratitude ninja. He wrote this book, Philippians, that we're going to read this morning in chapter 4. And he wrote this book, Philippians, actually from jail. And the themes are joy and thankfulness. So I think we have something to learn from Paul. Amen? Great. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to pray for us as we open the Word of God. Lord Jesus, we do pray that you would teach us just the secrets, the keys to gratitude. Today, do something in our hearts. Lord, give us practical tips today. God, we pray you teach us. Make us a thankful people that are grateful for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 6. Common verse, you probably heard it before. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. We could preach a whole sermon on that, right? But then the promise, the peace of God, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thing for someone imprisoned for their faith to write. I mean, this kind of blows my mind. But that's what we see this battle for gratitude is all about. If we can access this peace of God... There's something that guards our hearts and our minds, and it allows us to walk in blessing. So that's kind of our goal this morning, is to get there, to be a Philippians 4, 6 through 7 people. Let's keep reading in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Look at your neighbor and say, practice. Put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So we talk about gratitude. I, I, I watched some TED Talks last night. Anybody like TED Talks out there? I watched some TED Talks last night on gratitude, and I found them totally unhelpful. And I want to tell you why. It was all about, oh, just be mindful about your gratitude, or just have an improved sense of well-being in every present moment. I found it so esoteric, just so new age. And this is what I love about the Bible, is the Bible is extremely practical. It gives us not just the promise of a blessed life, but keys on how to walk in God's blessing. Are you with me? And so I like it how Paul says here, he says, put it into practice. He's saying, hey, I am the gratitude sensei, and you, my ninja in training, you are going to put these gratitude practices into practice in your life, and you're going to grow in the peace and the blessing that God has for you. Amen? Yeah, that, that root word of gratitude is attitude, but it's more than an attitude. Even the scientific research shows that Gratitude requires habits and practices to flow in our life. And so Philippians 4 is now going to be about these four gratitude practices of the gratitude ninja. So we're going to get very practical this morning. I'm going to finish off reading this thank you note first in verse 10. This is the thank you note to his financial supporters. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. He's talking about financial concern. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out to Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving, except for you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once. And he talks about the gifts, and he's blessing them, and he ends with a prayer to God and Father, to God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, four practices that are going to help you become a gratitude ninja. Are you ready? So here's the first practice. This is something everybody can do. We want to be a people who are grateful for God's creation. We want to be a people who are grateful for God's creation. Philippians 4.8, just to review this verse we read earlier. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. There are so many excellent and praiseworthy things in God's creation that we can think about. I mean, don't you love living in San Diego? Some of you are visiting. There's a reason you came here. (laughs) It's a beautiful place to be. I'll never forget, uh, my wife has really helped me with this one, this first practice of being in awe and being grateful for God's creation. I'll never forget being a walk on a walk with my wife early in marriage, and I was ranting and raving about something, and she was patiently listening to me. And we stopped in front of a house that had just a beautiful garden, and she stopped and smelled one of the roses in that garden. Did you guys know that people actually did that? There are people that actually stop and smell the roses. I didn't know that, (laughs) but I learned how to do that through my marriage. Ninja move, honey. Good job. Um, But you've probably noticed this, how people, regardless of their background, regardless of their creed, their persuasion, their whatever, everyone has an appreciation for the beauty of creation. We all have our spots in San Diego, right? What's your spot? We all have our spot that we go. Like, I see some of y'all on Instagram. Like, I'm not jealous when I'm looking. I'm blessing you, okay? But I see some of y'all. You're out there at Torrey Pines Park. Some of y'all go out to that rock, that, like, potato chip rock, and you do weird stances. I don't know what that's all about. But we all have our spots that we go to to enjoy God's creation. Maybe this, this year you enjoyed the solar eclipse, People went like crazy over that. Like there's special glasses, uh, so, you know, people go on trips to, to be at the right spot to view the eclipse. People just have this natural desire, this longing to experience the beauty of creation. This is what the Apostle Paul said in another passage of the Bible, Romans chapter 1. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, speaking of natural creation, so that people are without excuse. You know, even natural creation, it speaks of the goodness of God. Just the fact that there is beauty, the fact that there is provision, the fact that there is an ecosystem, it tells us something about who our creator God is. Um, A few weeks ago, we had one of our, kind of our mentors to our church staff in town, an older minister, and he did some work with our staff in our training school, our School of Transformation, and he was talking to me about this neuroscientist that he's been spending some time with. This neuroscientist is a Christian, and what he's done is he's studied a lot of people's faith journeys, and it's really interesting. What he's found is he's found in many people's journey that early in their childhood, maybe in their early adulthood, there's been a moment in God's creation 
Or maybe they didn't even know God yet. Maybe they, they weren't even coming to church or really trying to follow Jesus. But there's been a moment out in creation where they've become suddenly aware of the presence of God. Maybe you've had that moment in your life. You call them a golden memory. Maybe you've had that golden memory in your life where you've been out, I don't know, walking or out at the beach, and you just kind of became aware of something bigger of yourself. I think that's probably what happened to Abraham in the Old Testament. He was out working on his tent one night. He looked up at the stars, and God started to speak to him. I think it's probably what happened to Moses. He was out tending his sheep, and a bush was burning, and he took a closer look. I can remember in my life being eight or nine years old and just walking in the woods uh, in northwest Arkansas and just feeling a presence, just kind of knowing that it was God. Maybe you have a golden memory in your life. But regardless of whether you had that memory or not, we all have an opportunity to be grateful for God's creation. Here's a picture we took on Friday night out at Coronado Beach. Pretty awesome, right? We live in a beautiful city. Amen? So go be grateful for God creation, God's creation. It's a practice we can all do. I have a three-year-old. His name is Jed. And what I love is this time of year I get home, it's a little darker, the sun is setting, and Jed will just be looking out the window and he'll just say, what a beautiful sunset. He's three years old. So he is putting this, this into practice, being grateful for God's creation. That's our first practice. Okay, number two. Ready for number two? Second practice, being grateful for God's provision. Being grateful for God's provision in our life. Once we are able to see the big picture, God's move in the world, God's providence and setting up the whole universe, then we're start to able to really understand, you know what? And God actually set me up. God is working in my life and God is providing for me. Many of us probably this week at Thanksgiving, we experienced this. We sat at a table and went around the table and everyone shared what they were thankful for. Our young adults, Pastor Philip, was telling me he actually implemented that at his office. Uh, the CEO said, hey, could you have everybody go around and share what you're thankful for? So they did something similar to that, some kind of gratefulness exercise. That's a great way to step in to gratitude. But you know what, at my family, we actually do that at every dinner. We stop and we go around the table and everyone shares what they're thankful for that happened that day. And you know what? Sometimes the food gets cold. But that's okay, because we're learning how to be thankful. And our kids are growing up with that default of, okay, every time I sit down, I'm thankful for God's work in my life. I'm thankful for his provision. I'm thankful that I'm here today. Philippians 4.19 says this, and God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Another passage there from Philippians 4. What a great passage. A few things stick out to me as we look at this about being grateful for God's provision. First of all, God is the one meeting the needs. Hello? And my God will meet all your needs. So work is a blessing. It's actually a blessing to get to work. It's a blessing to, to get to contribute and to make a difference in the lives of other people using our gifts. Uh, serving is a blessing. But we never want to put ourselves in the mindset that because of my work and my serving, all of my needs are being met. Like, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. You can't produce oxygen. So you need that, for example. There's a lot of things that you need that you can't produce, practically, spiritually, emotionally, etc. And that's why the Bible says God will meet all of our needs. So we want to be a people that, yeah, 
want God to meet our needs. And, and we want to work hard, but we want to recognize that God is our provider in life. So that's a way you can be, practice this gratefulness exercise. Okay, another thing. Notice out of the passage, Philippians 4, it says, God will meet all of your needs. Notice how it doesn't say, God will meet all of your wants. Hello? Okay, so in the 1970s, the average American experienced 500 marketing messages a day. Okay, that was in the 1970s. So you're seeing billboards, you're reading the newspaper, people still read the newspaper back then, right? You're, you're seeing 500 marketing messages a day. Today, the average person sees 5,000 marketing messages a day. So we're in this war for gratitude, and our culture has a system that is trying to manufacture our wants and turn them into needs. And so we've, we've got to be aware that every time we see something or experience something, it doesn't mean that we need it. And so we bring our desires and we bring our needs to God, and he's the one that sorts through all of it and helps us decide what we really need in life. Let the word of God define your life, not Facebook ads. Okay, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know that God has riches to meet your needs? That's what the Bible says. I think that's pretty awesome. According to the riches of his glory. Being grateful for God's provision. I was thinking about the person in my life that most typified this practice being grateful for God's provision, and my mind immediately went to our family's pastor, my friend Jeff Bianchi. Okay, so Jeff's here on the front row. If you've ever been in a small group with Jeff or a long discussion, you'll probably hear him say something like this. Well, just thankful to be alive. <laughs> Jeff's just thankful to be alive. <laughs> and, you, and you hear him say that, you know what? I'm, I'm thankful to be alive too. And, and then you kind of get going. You're thankful this muscle starts to get stretched, and you find other things to be thankful and grateful and worship God about. But here's what you might not know about Jeff. When Jeff was born, he was actually in critical condition, and it required a medical and a supernatural miracle for him to survive. Jeff went through a major time of testing decades ago of depression and despair, having just to work through all kinds of stuff. He had to find the grace of God in a way that many of us will never have to. Jeff has been to war-torn countries, and Jeff has four kids. And he's thankful to be alive in Jesus' name. Are you not, Jeff Bianchi? All right. So let's be like Jeff and be thankful to be alive. Hello? All right. Let's just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful to be alive. That's a good word right there. The second practice of the Gratitude Ninja is to be thankful for God's provision. Hey, if we can start there, we can get a long way. Can we not? God's provided us a whole, whole lot. Grateful for creation. Grateful for provision. Here's the third practice of the Gratitude Ninja being grateful for God's grace, being grateful for God's grace. Yeah. When we're fighting the battle for gratitude, we're often concerned with our most practical needs. But when we see God's hand, when we start to feel his provision, when we understand he's working in our lives, it kind of opens up our heart to really think about like our spiritual journey for a little bit and to be aware of God's grace. This is what Philippians 4, 7 says. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what's amazing? So we have peace with God. 
for walking with Jesus, we have peace with God. And we have the peace of God, the Bible says. Here's a way you can be grateful for God's grace. If you're a person in this room, you're trying to follow Jesus, think about your life, the weeks and the months before you started following Jesus. Like, do you remember what that was like? (laughs) That was rough, was it not? I mean, my life was full of hopelessness, full of despair, full of striving, full of pain, full of self-destruction. I was not at peace with myself. I was not at peace with God. I was not at peace with other people. But you know what's amazing? Because of Jesus, because he took the punishment we deserve by dying on the cross, the punishment that brought us peace fell upon him. We have peace with God. We have received grace from God. And by grace, we have been saved from judgment, from our own destruction, from the fallen system of this world. What is grace? Well, the, the Greek word for grace is charis. If you've been at church for a while, you've probably heard that. But it, it's, it's defined like this, the unmerited favor and the empowerment of God. The unmerited favor and the empowerment of God. I'm thankful for grace. But here's what I find in my own life. Here's what I find in many people in the church. So we know that the Bible says we're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do to get rid of our sin. So we accept Jesus' forgiveness. We accept his sacrifice on the cross as dying for us, and we're saved by grace. But then sometimes, after being saved by grace, we live as if everything in the Christian life is up to us after that. Are you with me? I'm preaching to myself here. We, we live like, okay, thanks God for saving me. Now, what am I going to do with that? Now, what's up to me? It's so easy for the enemy to get in there and to cause us to fall from grace, even as Christians. And I want you to know that God has a grace for your life, not just the day that you met him. And there'll probably be some people that meet him today, but not even just that day. God has a grace for your life every day. God has a grace for your life today. You know, it's by grace that we serve. The Bible says he gives us gifts through his grace. It's by grace that we work. It's by grace that we operate in relationships with other people. Probably the person in the Bible that most typifies walking in God's grace and favor, a favorite person of mine, is Joseph in the Old Testament. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit about Joseph's life in the Old Testament. Joseph, you might be familiar with him. He was one of the Israelite leaders, one of the patriarchs of Israel, way back in the book of Genesis. This is what it says about Joseph. Joseph was actually in slavery. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by Ishmaelite traders, those are trade, uh, slave traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he's, he's sold into slavery by his brothers, mistreated. He's purchased as a slave, and he's moved into Pharaoh's house. The Lord was with Joseph. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of the entire household and everything he owned. Notice the key to Joseph's success. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph went from nowhere, an abandoned child, rejected by his family, sold into slavery, went to a country he'd never been to before, 
didn't know the language, didn't know the culture, didn't know how to operate there or what to do. And then God, by his grace and favor, raises him up, gives him gifts, gives him skills, gives him languages, gives him relationships. And pretty soon at the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50, he's influenced the whole country of Egypt because God has raised him up. And sure, yeah, running a country is hard work. It doesn't say you didn't have to work hard, but it says because the Lord was with Joseph, he succeeded in everything he did. Do you know that God's with you? You know that just like Joseph, God wants to give you good success because he is with you. I don't know if you believe that. I'm going to try this side of the room. Do you know that because God is with you, <laughs> that he wants to give you good success like he did Joseph, right? I know you believe it. I'm not, I'm not dogging you over there. Okay. Hey, this is what the Apostle, Apostle Paul said. Okay. Who, this is who we're studying, this gratitude ninja. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. You know, there's two roads of accomplishment and success in life. Self-reliance, which will only take you so far based on whether you woke up on the good or the bad side of the bed, and God-reliance. And when you start to live by God-reliance, when you start to be thankful for God's grace and lean into God's grace in your life, you can realize God has poured his special favor on you. And he's given you a special calling and a special mission that only you can do. And you can start to walk in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. There's, this, uh, there's this trend on social media I've seen. I've, I've seen a bunch of people post it last few years. I even saw a sign at Target that said this. And the, the sign or the phrase is, you are enough. Okay? And if you have like a tattoo that says, you are enough, I'm not on you today. But I just want to make a point. You are enough. And I think it's, it's not speaking about God. It's actually towards a person. You're enough. And so many times we feel inadequate, we don't feel loved, and so it can be nice for someone to say, hey, you're enough, you're accepted, and I understand that. But actually, the Bible says, you aren't enough. But that's okay, because we have God's grace, right? And with God, all things are possible for those who relieve. You thankful for God's grace this morning? Yeah, that's the practice that I'm on. You can probably tell I'm passionate about this in my life right now. The third practice, being grateful for God's grace. Okay, here's the fourth practice. To be honest, I don't really want to preach on this one. I just, I know the stories in this room. I know what people are going through. But this is the black belt of the gratitude ninja. And if you can get this one, you can get major breakthrough in your life. So here it is. Grateful for times of trouble, trials, and testing. Yeah being grateful for trials. Man, I just want to hide behind the podium right now. But just think about Paul for a minute. Like he's in prison, you know, he's been through all this stuff in his life, and here he is writing this book on thankfulness and joy. So I think we have something to learn from this gratitude ninja. Again, this is what he wrote. We already read it, but to review, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, I read that, and I think, okay, I want to take this literally, but every situation? Really, Paul? Truly content? What's the secret? So I wanted to make sure that I was preaching a good word this morning, so I looked up that 
that word content. I looked that up in a, in a Greek dictionary, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but here's some stuff I got out of it, okay? The word, one of the definitions is independent of external circumstances. You know, when you're grateful for what God's done in your life, external circumstances don't seem to, to phase you as much, do they? Right? I think we'd have a lot less road rage in our world if people were grateful for trials. <laughs> I think this word has a prophetic meaning. I looked up the root words of this word content in the Greek. So here, here is the first uh, root word, the word exhale. Can everyone just exhale with me? Just the word exhale. And then here is the second root word, to put up a wall. So here's kind of the word picture I have in my mind. When we breathe out gratitude, God puts walls around our life. He guards our minds and our hearts with the peace of Christ Jesus. That's kind of how I see it. It's like, thank you. Thank you. And as I'm doing that, just God's deploying his heavenly resources. He's putting them around me, and he's, he's working on my behalf. He's working in my heart. He's setting my mind free, and yes, even rescuing me from my trials because God is a Savior, and he's pretty good at saving me, right? Yeah. I want to be content in trials. And heard a story from a friend this week that I was just like, wow, that is really powerful. Uh, we have a close friend that's, that's going through chemotherapy and very intense uh, cancer treatment. And if you're not familiar with that process, of course, cancer is a disease that is challenging, but chemotherapy is actually very hard on your body. And so, uh, you know, hair falls out. Uh, skin can hurt, and uh, this lady that we're friends with actually has neuropathy, so her, she can't feel her hands, and is really going through a hard time. And so she was, um, you know, praying and talking to God about it, and, okay, what, what do I have to be grateful for? And this is what God revealed to her. God said, your ears don't hurt. <laughs> and so she was like, okay, that's something I can work with. God, thank you that my ears don't hurt. Thank you that I can hear my kids. You know, thank you that I can hear my husband. Thank you that I can hear music. And, oh, and then spiritually, wow, God, thank you that I can hear your voice. Thank you that you just spoke that. Do you see how if you can find something to be thankful for in the midst of your trial, it opens up a door to God's grace and blessing? Yeah, you know, I don't like to be grateful in my trials. I mean, can I just be real? Because I have this fear. Like, I have this fear that if I'm thankful for the trial, then I'm, like, agreeing with the trial. And then God's like, oh, you like that? Let me give you some more of that, little buddy. Okay? I don't want to agree with the trial. I'm like, Psh, you know, I'm a faith guy. Like, cast that mountain into the sea. Okay? But here's what I want you to know, and here's what I've had to learn. That being grateful for trials doesn't mean you're agreeing with the trial. Right? Some trials are from the devil. We're not agreeing with that. Sometimes people hurt us. They abuse us. I mean, there's, there's hard things that happen in life, and I'm acknowledging that. We're not agreeing with the trial, but here's what we're doing. We're acknowledging God's presence in that situation. And the Bible says this, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So what if even a trial that was brought into your life by the evil one, what if it backfired because you used it as a gate to go into the presence of God? That's pretty cool. Yeah, the band can go ahead and come on up. I'm going to share one last story. Uh, one trial that I went through eight or nine years ago is... Just in ministry and marriage and in in life, my wife and I, we were in the thick of it. I mean, it was a hard season. And I remember just in the middle of that time, just 
going on a walk and saying, okay, God, the Bible says we had heard a speaker on joy, and I thought I was convicted because I didn't feel like I had a lot to be joyful about that day. And so, okay, God, how can I find joy in this circumstance? How can I be grateful in this trial? And I just began to thank God. I said, okay, God, first of all, I thank you that the trial I'm going through is going to help other people. That I'm going to learn some lessons in this trial that's going to impact the lives of others. You know, and so I started just to kind of meditate on that and think about other people's lives who could be changed. And then I said, okay, God, I thank you that what we're going through in our marriage, my wife and I, it's going to pull us closer together. That we're going to walk in unity. We're going to walk in intimacy. Our relationship is going to be stronger. So then I started to reflect on that, what God's ideal and God's plan might be for that. And then I started to thank God. I said, okay, God, there's something I'm learning right now about you. There's a side of your face that I'm seeing that I actually wouldn't see if I didn't go through this trial. So I'm not thankful for the trial right now, but I am thankful for your face that you're showing me. I'm thankful for just the the glance of your eye, the angle of you that I'm seeing, that I might not be seeing if I wasn't going through this. And then finally, I just thought, you know what? And ultimately, here's the last thing I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for heaven. I'm not just thankful I'll be in heaven, but I'm thankful because the Bible says that we're actually rewarded in heaven for perseverance in trials. And I would want you to know that this morning too, that what you're going through, if you're going through a trial, that God is gonna use that to transform lives because you're a river and not a lake. And what God's pouring into you, he's gonna touch other people's lives with. And ultimately, what we go through and we find God's grace and presence in our trials, There's a reward in heaven for walking with Jesus. Now, would you just stand up with me? You ready to become gratitude ninjas? Yeah, just think of one of these practices real quick. Just quiet your heart before God. God, what am I at? Number one, creation. Number two, provision. Number three, grace. Number four, trials. Where do I need just to find gratitude in this moment? What's the practice you're calling to me today? Just, just, Just think about that for a minute. You know what? I believe that story that my friend told us about her ears, that story is not just a story for her life, but it's a story for all of us. And in the middle of your trial, I want you to know that you can hear God's voice. And so if you're going through a trial right now and you just need to hear God speak to you, I want to ask you to do something bold. I want to ask you just to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray over you in mass, just whoever that applies to. People raising their hands all over the room. Who's going through a trial right now and just needs to hear God speak to them about that trial? Let's give you a few more seconds to respond before I pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for their hands that are going up. And just like my friend said, I thank you for their ears. I thank you for their spiritual ears. And I say right now, God, open their ears to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Thank you that Proverbs says, eyes to ear and eyes to see and ears to hear. Both are a gift from the Lord. And so I ask for the gift of a listening ear. I pray that you'd speak to them right now about how you're meeting them in their trial. God, about what you're doing in their heart, about the side of your face that they're getting to see that they wouldn't get to see if they didn't go through this. Just right now, God, flood their heart with revelation, flood their heart with healing, flood their heart with support. And as those ones are responding, you know, point number three, thankful for God's grace. Just feel the Holy Spirit on them. 
And first of all, if you're someone that's never accepted just that free gift of saying, hey, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. I want to accept his grace. Like I want to be totally forgiven and know that I'll be with God in heaven and I'm just not sure. It's a lifelong journey, but it begins with a quick prayer. You can just pray this after me if you want to pray that the first time. You can just say, Jesus, I receive your gift of grace. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. You took the punishment I deserved. Thank you that you rose again from the dead, showing me you were the way to heaven. I put my trust in you for my heart and my forgiveness. In Jesus' name.